Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Hey folks, Palmer Toms, Dogs HQ, doing a little bit of a crossover edition, Georgia Tennessee preview with Eric Kane of VolQuest. Um, Eric, appreciate you taking the time today. And, um, you know, I know we were chatting, this is a game that you know, it means a lot to a lot of people. Um, you know, there's a lot of crossover between Georgia and Tennessee and the shared border. There's there's Georgia fans in Tennessee. There's Tennessee fans in Georgia. And, uh, you know, always a fun one. It, and it's going to be really weird. Um, you know, I've, I had this kind of a conversation earlier this season with uh, the, the guys over at Gamecock Central when Georgia was playing South Carolina. But it's it applies here. It's going to be really weird that these two teams are not playing on an annual basis um, in, in all likelihood move into a divisionless format. Yeah. Times are changing, man. And from a Tennessee perspective, um, it's the big three every year. It's, it's Alabama, it's Florida, it's Georgia. And uh, I'm pretty safe in saying that I believe Tennessee and and Alabama are going to be playing quite frequently. I know you go to that seven, one model, you're probably protected with Vanderbilt, but gosh, the third Saturday in October has got to find a way to play, you know, we'll see, but um, you know, Florida and, and, and Georgia are huge games on the schedule every single year for a Tennessee fan. So this game means a lot to a lot of people. Um, it's been one sided here of late. There's been some great, great finishes in this game, obviously over the years. And uh, you're right, man, that, that border down there in Chattanooga, it's uh there's a lot of crossover down there for sure. So, Looking forward to Saturday. Yeah, as we get into Saturday, um, just what are your initial thoughts? We're, we're recording this on, on Wednesday afternoon. 
um, couple days of, of hearing from folks up in Knoxville. And, uh, you know, we're all but done with media down here in Athens. I know Hypel speaks on Thursday as well. Just what what do you feel like the, the vibe going into this game is, especially with it being played at Neyland Stadium? Um, that, that's always a, a factor, uh, you know, and, and the, you know, kind of a balancing factor a little bit. But, you know, with, with Tennessee coming off of that loss last week into Missouri, Georgia coming in red hot with a 52-17 win over a top 10 Ole Miss team. Just what's the vibe like in, at, in atmosphere in, in Knoxville? Yeah, I mean, I think for the Tennessee fan base, obviously, you know, the, the beginning of the week is frustration, disappointment, um, because of what happened in Missouri. No, no, no way around it. I mean, Tennessee went on the road and, and, and literally didn't get off the bus. I mean, it was offensively, defensively. Uh, Tennessee star player, and this is not even a joke. He was really actually good in this game. It's it the punter, Jackson Ross, but you never want your punter to be your star player. And so, um, I think early in the week there was was frustration, disappointment, and not not really looking forward to this game because I mean everybody knows Georgia's good. Georgia's done nothing but get better as the years gone on. Quarterback Carson Beck's gotten better. You know Brock Bowers, cheat code. Don't know how he's back, but he's back catching a touchdown after tightrope surgery. Um, you know. We, I think everybody knows how good Georgia is and it's continued to get better. And so, but I think as the week's gone on, man, I mean, people realize, all right, hey, you know, you, you get 12 Saturdays guaranteed. Uh, you got two left. Um, you got one against Georgia, you know, top ranked team in the country coming to Neyland Stadium where you haven't lost in 14 tries. You're really, really good at home, uh, playing in front of that home crowd. And, and I, I think as the week's gone on, the excitement's kind of started to build a little bit more. Uh, but at the beginning of the week, there was a lot of, um, a lot of disappointment just coming off what happened last weekend. But, um, just like those guys in the locker room, you know, they've been talking about it, media availabilities this week, but if you can't get up for this game, there's not a game you're going to get up for. I mean, it's Tennessee, Georgia, it's, uh, two top 25 teams, number one team in the country, you know, and, and, um, still, still a lot to play for. If you're, uh, you're Tennessee, sure. The divisional title is off the line, but you want to finish off this season strong. So I think there's, uh, excitement as, as the week's gone on. And that's good to hear, honestly, because that's what you want a game like this to to be about. Um, you know, Kirby was asked, you know, about it and and said, you know, hey, y'all are playing a Tennessee team that didn't play its best ball last week. You know, how, how does that impact you and, you know, having to get your team ready to go play a team that can play better than what it's playing? And, um, you know, he, he admitted that Tuesday's practice in Athens was not their best um but you know that this is always you know the the outside factors here um shouldn't shouldn't really play a part because this is always a matchup of of two teams that, that like we said share a border recruit a lot of the same guys there's guys on tennessee's roster that were recruited by georgia and georgia wanted a lot there's vice versa uh and so you know this is a game that always means a lot it's you know, nine times out of 10, maybe even 10 times out of 10 going to be the three thirty CBS game. And, and if it's not that, then it's going to be the, you know, a seven o'clock ESPN kick. And, you know, it, it's a premier matchup. It's a premier game in this league, um, you know, between two powerhouse programs. And so um, that, that is, you know, fr from somebody that, that grew up in Tennessee and, and knows what Neyland stadium can be like, you know, I, I remember, you know, sitting next to a, uh, co-worker now uh, Jake Rowe a couple of years ago when uh, you know Tennessee and Georgia were facing off there can't remember if it was 21 or 19 but you know Tennessee was in that game and it was you know he said look 
this place is about to explode if Tennessee can get one more play in its direction and just wasn't able to do that. Um, Georgia kind of pulled away in both those games. And so, um, you know, turning our attention to this one, the, the 2023 matchup, um, let, let's start with Tennessee and, and when they've got the ball, um, you know, on offense led by Joe Milton. Um, just what have your impressions been of him as, in his first year as a starter? Um, you know, taking over the reins of an offense, you know, the, the, he took over at the end of last year, um, you know, and I think that that set an expectation, um, but taking over and, and, and a changed offense in a way, because you lose a, a lot of, you know, really dynamic playmakers, um, including one at the quarterback position last year. Well, I think whenever you're talking about Joe Milton, first and foremost, it's important to remember uh, it's important to realize, you know, Joe Milton, it was never going to be Hendon Hooker. Um, I mean, Hendon Hooker was an elite quarterback. Hendon Hooker should have been new, in New York for a Heisman finalist. I mean, the fact that he was not a Heisman finalist was uh, just, uh, quite frankly, just uh, just horrible last year. But, uh, you know, Joe Milton's not that. Uh, Joe Milton, for, for, for much of his career at Tennessee and uh, for much of this year, has been an average quarterback. He's done some things at a high level. Um, but he is he has gotten better as the year's gone on. He is uh, playing much better football now than he was in the month of September. Now, I think at Missouri he didn't have his best day. Obviously, Tennessee didn't have his best day. Uh, but overall, where he's playing now is much better than where he was. Uh, he's got a lively arm. We know that. Um, Tennessee has really lacked the explosive plays down the field um, th this season, and I think it's a kind of a – combination of a little bit of everything you mentioned you know no, no Jalen Hyatt who won the Blitnikoff last year no Cedric Tillman who was a third round pick uh no Hendon Hooker obviously who was who was really good uh you, you know you, you have an offensive tackle in Darnell Wright that went top 10 overall to the Chicago Bears you had Jerome Carvin who's in the NFL right now playing at another guard I mean you lost a lot of talent on that offense and so I think um one of the biggest differences is the lack of explosive plays and a lot of people will just assume that you point to the quarterback and you know Joe Milton's got a hand in that but you know, the pass operation, you know, wide receivers and everything was, was just not good early in the year, and it's gotten better. Now, Tennessee's dealt with a ton of injuries. You know, Brew McCoy's out for the year. Now Dante Thornton's going to miss this game. He's out. He was really starting to come around. It's been about kind of filling in some gaps and all that, but um, Joe's gotten better about throwing over the middle of the field, hitting his slants. He's been much more accurate. He's been efficient. His running has really picked up, and they've called uh, designed runs for him, and I think that's helped him in the passing game as well. So, when Joe gets some confidence, he's a pretty good quarterback. Uh, a lot of times we make the joke that, you know, early on in a football game, they need to call a design run for him so he can get hit and kind of kind of start feeling himself a little bit and then go out there and play, and that's what Tennessee kind of does. So um, he's a much better player now than what he was at the beginning of the season, but still, um, you know, he, he makes some mistakes, and, and he's not he's not Hendon Hooker. And I think over the offseason, a lot of college football fans, not just Tennessee fans, college football fans just assumed – it was going to be no drop off whatsoever, uh, but that's just not fact of the matter. It's just um, you know Joe Milton's a different type of quarterback. Yeah, and it's it's funny you mentioned the the needing to get hit because that was something we always heard from Stetson Bennett. Um, you know, just that he didn't feel like he was playing football until you know the pads were popping and, and that he yeah. got hit, and you know it was like okay, let's let's tighten up, you know, let's let's go play. Um, and that that really focuses things. So um, funny to hear that from from another side of things. And and you mentioned it with the injuries at receiver. Um, you know, obviously that that impacts an offense when you've got 
you know, playmakers that aren't going to be able to make plays like Brew McCoy and Dante Thornton um, certainly changes it. But what have you seen from the guys around him, uh, around Milton, um, you know, Squirrel White, Ramel Keaton, and then obviously a run game that it led by Jalen Wright that, you know, Kirby always says, if you think Tennessee is a pass first team, you are wrong. Yeah, I mean, Kirby Smart shows you why he's a, a good coach because there's so many people that, you know, even cover this sport that's just like, oh, Tennessee throwing an air raid. Yada, yada. Like, sure, Tennessee likes to throw it down the field. Don't get me wrong. But, um, I mean, ten- everything Tennessee does is built off the run game. Josh Hopple said that in his opening press conference. Josh Hopple said that, you know, many, many times since. For them to be who they want to be, they got to run the football. And and sure, the focal point really this, this season has been the run game. But Tennessee's averaged 200 yards on the ground a game every every year that Josh Heupel's been here. So this isn't new, but it, it's really good. I mean, up until last week, leading the SEC in rushing. For, on the other side, you were leading the SEC in rush defense. Of course, that's changed a little bit since Missouri. But Jalen Wright has kind of got kind of came unglued. He's gone to another level. Um, he was more of a scat back early in his career, and, and he's put on some good weight. Hadn't lost the speed. His vision's really good. His patience is really good. Um, he, he's kind of a force to be reckoned with, but it's not just Jalen Wright. I think a big reason why Tennessee's run game is, is so well and why they were averaging about 240 yards prior to last week um, is because they play Jalen Wright. They play Jabari Small, who's been here a while. They play Dylan Sampson, who's kind of a home run hitter. So, you know, where you would like to see Jalen Wright get 25 carries a game, you know, he's getting 12, 13, 14. Jabari Small's getting 8, 9. Dylan Sampson's getting 15, you know, eight, nine touches, and, and they do a good job of keeping all those guys fresh, and that's why it's been so effective. Love the run game. A key a key this week, though, is contingency run on Georgia. In two years of Josh Hopple, Tennessee's not been able to run the football against Georgia, and uh, for Tennessee to have a chance later in this football game and, and to play with Georgia, Tennessee needs to run the football. Uh, some of those other playmakers, you know, wide receivers, uh, Squirrel White is a guy you uh, you really got to watch out for. Um, he's he's been a guy they can throw it to down the field a little bit, but they like to throw it to him underneath. Uh, he's a playmaker. Uh, Ramel Keaton's kind of had a down year a little bit. I think confidence has been an issue with him, but but we know what he can do and what he's brought to this team the last couple of years. And then from there, you're kind of kind of filling in the gaps again. I mentioned the injuries. Dante Thornton won't play in this game. Brew McCoy won't play in this game. You know, Chaz Nimrod, Caleb Webb, um, two sophomore, two redshirt freshmen. Who've done a nice job coming in, but again, you know, you, you're talking about this group of guys, and, and and you're not talking about the McCoys, the Thorntons, the way he was playing, and of course the Hyatts and the Tillmans. It's it's very much a different looking offense at the skill position. But back to the run game, you see it right there. Jalen Wright has got to have a good game. Tennessee's got to run the football uh, for this to be a competitive football game. Yeah, Jalen Wright, 117 attempts on the ground this year, 11.7 a game. Um, But you're right with Samson as well, leading the team in touchdowns with seven there. You know, as I talk about the Georgia defense, I'm really interested to see how they handle that run because that hasn't been their strength this year. Um, You know, if you're looking at this defense there and pointing to the front half or the back half, you like the back half a lot better. Um, you know, you like a, a secondary that features retiring starter and, and all-American caliber player in Malachi Starks at safety, two-time, you know, college football playoff defensive MVP, Javon Bullard that made the move from star to safety. Kamari Lasseter is a potential first-round pick. You've got a guy at, in, at star in Tyke Smith that's super experienced in playing the best football of his career this year. So, 
you feel really good about that secondary. And, and I think the matching up against an offense that, you know, like you said, is, is banged up, um, especially at that receiver position. It, I, I like the way that Georgia matches up there, especially more th- than you know, I would if you were throwing in Thornton and McCoy as well. Um, although Georgia's handled a, a couple of really strong, talented receiver groups the last couple of weeks with Missouri and Ole Miss pretty well. Um, but, you know, the run defense has been a bit of a concern for the Bulldogs, and and at times it's been their Achilles heel. I mean, you look at that Auburn game and, um, you know, they they ran – the Tigers ran for over 200 yards on them, first time that that's happened since 2018. Um, Missouri and, and Cody Schrader, a, a guy that both of these fan bases are plenty familiar with. Uh, yeah. You know, he had a big game against Georgia – um, before having an even bigger one against Tennessee. So, you know, last week, Quinshawn Judkins got going, and, and Ole Miss was able to move the ball pretty well on the ground early before they got down and realized we're not going to be able to stop this Georgia offense, and we're going to have to make plays through the air. We can't, you know, try to shorten this game on the ground. So, um, you know, I, I am really interested to see because the strength has been in the back end. It's not up front. They don't have a disruptive – defensive linemen like they have the last couple of years, you know, with four guys going in the first round over the last two NFL drafts. Um, you know, you've, you've had two outside linebackers taken three inside linebackers taken in, in that same span. And, and now you're looking at, you know, as I mentioned, the inside linebackers, you're looking at a group that's counting on a two true freshmen there. Um, obviously you've got, uh, you know, number two right here, smile Munden. He, he's this team's leading tackler, um, and, and was last year, but the leader of that defense, the quarterback of that defense, uh, Jamon Dumas Johnson is, is going to be out this Saturday. So, you know, in step CJ Allen, he wins SEC freshman of the week, te- leads the team in tackles against Ole Miss. Um, but you, you know, you're still counting on a freshman and, and you don't know what you're going to get week to week with, with a young guy like that. So, very interested to see. And, and, you know, if I'm Tennessee, uh, you know, you mentioned it with, with Milton and, you know, getting him going and getting him comfortable with his legs early, I would be doing that too, because that's the way that teams have beaten Georgia. Um, Brady Cook ran the ball well. Um, you know, Peyton Thorne of Auburn ran the ball well. Teams that Jackson Dart had some runs last week. Um, teams that have those mobile quarterbacks that, that, can you know really put pressure on you and I think it's why a lot of people are already circling that matchup with Alabama and Jalen Milrow uh you know and that being a big concern teams that have that kind of a quarterback that can make plays with their legs you know it it doesn't have to be Johnny Manziel back there it it, it can be a a design run you know a QB power type deal it doesn't have to be the uh you know scramble drill so if I'm Tennessee I'm really, really relying on the run and, and getting the quarterback involved early. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, and I think that's that's what Tennessee needs to do. Now, you know, Hendon Hooker was so good about, you know, when the play collapses or when there's nobody downfield, he'll just tuck and run. And uh, big, big time runs in games against LSU, Alabama, 
um, you know, games that mattered last season. You know, Joe, I don't think Joe Milton, for the most part, wants to run. He wants to sit back there and, and sling it all over the place, and that's fair. He has done a better job as the year has gone on kind of recognizing situational awareness, you know, third and six, and you're sitting back there and you got a path, take it, go, go move the chains. And, and he's done that a little bit better. Whereas earlier in the year, he would be hesitant. And, and again, they, they have called design runs to get him going. You know, he'll do the zone read. And I, I don't know this for sure, but I, I believe they call zone read keep a couple of times. Say, Hey, just, just go, you know, they'll run the QB sweep, QB power. And I think that's been good for him. So yeah, I couldn't agree more. For Tennessee to have success in this football game, for for, for this uh, you know game to to come down to you know second half, fourth quarter football game, Tennessee's got to run the football and uh, just kind of build off that. And I think a big part of that will be the quarterback run game. And and um, obviously this goes without saying, Joe, Joe Milton's got to play his best game of the season for sure. As we flip things over to the Georgia offense, you know, looking again, it starts with the quarterback position, um, you know, really as as football does. And Carson Beck and the way that he's been able to grow and develop over the course of his first year as a starter, uh, it's been really, you know, fun to watch because you're watching a kid that's getting to play football for the first time in since really his senior year of high school and he's enjoyed it. It's been, um, you know, just hearing him talk about it has been pleasant, Um, you know, because, you know, we heard from both the quarterbacks during the spring and, you know, the the guys that competed for that starting spot. And, um, you know, they they were both guys that you really want to root for, Um, you know, guys that have, have waited their turn guys that know how to handle things. And, and I think Milton kind of falls into that same category here, you know, guys, a guy that came in as a starter and and then, you know, was beaten out and then now he's back in there again. So, you know, as you look at the quarterbacks with, with Beck, um, obviously he's got a ton of weapons and his biggest weapon was back this past Saturday, Brock Bowers making his return after just 26 days um, post tightrope surgery, um, just freakish things that he that, that guy does. And, and we talked to him and last night and he's just, you know, I, I put it out on Twitter, but built different is a cliche, but it's the only fair way to describe Brock Bowers um, because, you know, just mentally and physically, this guy is different. Um, you know, the, to take the approach that he did to that surgery. And, you know, he, he was like, Hey guys, I kind of liked the rehab process. It, it gave me something to work for, uh, you know, something to strive for and see like, okay, I hit this benchmark in seven days. Let's see if I can hit this next one in, in six or five or whatever. It was just a constant battle. You know, I, I saw somebody write it this week, but he wasn't playing games, but he was playing games with his rehab. Um, And so, you know, as you look at this Georgia offense, you know, to me, they are rounding into form and and they are the best version of themselves last week. And and I don't know that it's unrealistic to expect that going forward. I mean, they're averaging over 40 points a game. They are, you know, one of the top scoring and and total offenses uh, in the country, not just in the SEC, but in the country. They are number five and six there um, with scoring and, and total offense. And so. You know, I, I think that as I look at this matchup, you know, for Georgia, you know, I, I think it's fairly similar to the one that that they had against Missouri and Ole Miss, and where you're going up against an offensive-minded coach and a and a team that probably prefers to have the ball. You know, fans that prefer to watch the offense as opposed to the defense. Um, 
you know, so I, I think that with Lab McConkey back and, and Rara Thomas and Dominic Lovett, the two transfers rounding into form, uh, Marcus Rosemey, Jack Saint is another receiver that, that they've relied on. Um, you know, Marius Mims getting back out there, potential first round pick on the offensive line. This Georgia offense is really rounding into its best version of itself. And, you know, I, I'm curious to see how Tennessee will try to defend Brock Bowers and, and you know, all the different weapons that Georgia has. Not to mention, you know, Bulldogs ran for over 300 yards on the ground. And how could I forget, you know, the, the senior day showing that Kendall Milton and Dejan Edwards both had with two touchdowns apiece? Yeah, I mean, if you're Tennessee, you hope that – uh, you're, you're just versatile. I, I, I guess, you know, Tennessee's defense has taken, again, not last Saturday was standing because that was horrible uh, on all accounts, but Tennessee's defense continues to take steps in the right direction every year under Josh Heupel. And again, what he inherited was just, I mean, it was, it was, I mean, it was, it was one of the worst situations in, in college football. 30 plus players at the portal, instead of like cloud investigation, nobody wants to come, you know what I'm saying? And like, it just was not a good situation. You, you had, I mean, on defense at linebacker, you played three linebackers. Literally, you played three linebackers in 2021. That's unheard of. And 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 really, and you're still seeing some of the, um, some of the unfortunate you know situations linger on in the 2023. You're not deep at wide receiver. You're not deep at at um at, at linebacker. And and it's helped. I mean, recruiting's gotten better, of course, and the transfer portal helps. And Tennessee's done well in the transfer portal. But um, point is, the defense has continued to get better and better. Tennessee's defense goes off its front. If the front's going, Tennessee's defense is going to have a heyday. Um, the secondary is so much better when the defense is getting home up front, rushing with four. And Tennessee will play 10 to 12 guys. And that man right there you're seeing on the screen, James Pierce, uh, breakout sophomore season. Phenomenal a guy Georgia wanted. really wanted. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, a guy that you know is, is, is up there in terms of sacks in the Southeastern Conference. And so um, when they're getting home, you're making the back end much better. So... You know, Tennessee will play, you know, 10 to 12 guys up front. Tyler Barron's another one on the other side of James Pierce that is having a really good season. The interior, Bryson Easton, Amari Thomas, uh, Omar Norman Lott, Croc Garland's coming around here lately. Like, again, the, these guys are doing a great job on the defensive front. So for Tim Banks, the coordinator, they have so much faith in that front that he'll sit back and say, you're not going to beat me over the top. You know, throw all that underneath stuff. Let's rally and go make the tackle. And let's rely on those front four guys to get to the quarterback. Um, it, it's not worked at points in times this season. Didn't work at Florida. Did not work last week against Missouri. Um, didn't work against Kentucky and Devin Leary. And when you're not getting home and you're not bringing pressure from the second, third layer, man, you're exposing that secondary. That's not, it's gotten better, but it's not great to begin with. And you're missing your best cover corner and Kamal Haddon, who was playing as good as anybody in the country. So, uh, Tennessee, long way to say, I hope Tennessee's multiple. I hope Tim Banks shows, willingness to not be married to one specific thing because i think with a with an offense that's rounding into form getting healthier at running back getting healthier at tight end who you know first round pick <laughs> offensive line that's allowed nine sacks on the season and getting healthy with amiris uh, amiris mims uh quarterback carson Beck who's getting better again you said it a moment ago george offensive offensively is playing its best football right now and so when you're going up against that, I just hope you you keep changing things up. And if you get beat, you get beat. I mean, but but send 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 the kitchen sink at him a little bit and allow Aaron Beasley the blitz from the second layer. Allow Tamari McDonald or Jordan Thomas to blitz from the third level. That's how I think Tennessee should approach this type of game. But you mentioned the run game as well. Tennessee's been really good at defending the run all year long. It was not against Cody Schrader, to say the least. It was 
really, really bad. It starts by trying to defend that run and then building off that defensively, just like it is offensively. So um, I'm intrigued to see how Tennessee defends Georgia or, you know, lines up and, and the strategies it chooses because it's obviously going to be a tall task. Maybe Cody Schrader's just a really good running back. Maybe everyone should just <laughs> give him a little bit of respect because we're talking yeah. about, you know, two really good run defenses. They got shredded by him. Um, shredded by Schrader. That that should be a thing. So, um, you know, hey, Eric, really appreciate you taking the time. Um, I, I know that I've uh, taken more than I asked for. And so, uh, you know, tell the folks over at Dogs HQ how they can find uh, y'all's work over on VolQuest. Yep, I like to say be the smartest guy at the tailgate, whether you're a Vols fan, whether you're a Georgia fan. The majority of these people listening will be a Georgia fan since we're on your site. I might put it on on, on our side over at VolQuest too. But anyway, uh, VolQuest.com. Learn all about Tennessee. Learn about these matchups. Learn about uh, both these teams. Every angle being previewed before Tennessee and Georgia, obviously. So it's going to be a good one. All that can be uh, found from a Tennessee perspective at VolQuest.com. And you know where to find it on the Georgia side, DogsHQ.com. Uh, the crew of me, Jake Rowe, Jake Roos, Rusty Mansell, uh, and Jeremy Johnson bringing you 24-7 uh, Georgia coverage, just ready to roll um, as the dogs are now up to number one in the college football playoff rankings. Uh, we saw last year how a uh, number one ranking in this game turned out. We'll see how it turns out this year. Uh, Eric, really appreciate the time and uh, look forward to seeing you on Saturday. Sounds good, man. Appreciate it. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads Money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager. Only $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text HOPE NY in New York.